Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to The Trader, a Traitor's Podcast. My name is Matthew and I'm a writer, reality competition TV fanatic and a 100% faithful. Promise. The Trader is a deep dive into each episode of what is now Peacock's most watched unscripted TV show ever, The Traitors, also streaming on the BBC in the UK. Well, we've made it. It's time to discuss the epic conclusion to The Traitors US, episode 10, and I have the best possible guest to help me do that coming right up. Before we get there, it's time for TT News. I recently mentioned The Traitors España had been commissioned and filmed for HBO Max and is now streaming in certain territories. In addition, all three media have announced that their Berlin-based production company Tower Productions will create Die Verrater, a new German version of The Traitors. This will make the eighth country to produce a version of the show, after the UK, US, France, Australia, the Netherlands, Belgium and Spain. It's early in the process, so no news yet on air dates, but I'll keep you posted. Some UK traitors news. Members of the cast have been spending lots more time together at various events, including the new cast premiere of Spooky Play 222, A Ghost Story in London, at the BBC filming for huge charity Children in Need, and at the Gadio Pride Awards, where Theo, Amanda and Faye presented an award on stage. All this gathering makes me wonder if there just might be a UK Traitors reunion episode following in the footsteps of the US version coming our way in the next few weeks. Additionally, UK Traitor Amanda Lovett is going on her own National Traitor UK tour. She'll be answering audience questions, dishing behind the scenes chat, playing games and taking part in meet and greets. 
She'll be appearing in Cardiff, Eymouth, Aberdeen, Glasgow, Edinburgh, Stoke, Felixstowe, Lincoln and Newcastle with more dates to be announced. Tickets are on sale via mamadragon.co.uk now. This episode is going to be a biggie, so let's get right down to our deep dive of the final episode of The Traitors US Season 1. Well, apart from the forthcoming reunion episode. To help me do it justice, I have a fantastic guest who couldn't be more knowledgeable about reality TV. It's time to meet him. My guest today on The Trader is David Bloomberg. David is a survivor and general reality TV expert, blogger and content creator. He was the creator and publisher and editor of Reality News Online, Foxes on Idol, the Reality TV Hall of Fame and the Reality TV Hall of Shame websites and also wrote weekly reality TV columns for two newspapers. Additionally, David is an engineer, poker player, Cubs fan and occasional juggler. David, how are you doing? Good, good. You got you got almost the whole bio there, you know. Got it all. Now, normally, David, I would ask you things like, "How did you come across the traitors?" But you know, you you probably knew about it before I did because this is your area of expertise. Can you remember when you first heard of it, read about it? What did you know straight away? Uh, yeah, I had seen on social media and through various other. Uh, Rob has a podcast uh, connections. Uh, that's one thing, you know, I'm also a podcaster on the Rob has a podcast network, but um, uh, Sari and Rachel and uh, Stephanie and a few others had, you know, they disappeared off of social media. They had been whisked away uh, to Scotland for some sort of uh, seemingly mole like uh, reality show. And nobody really knew about it. Everybody was excited about, oh, maybe it's a new version of the mole. But we knew that this was happening. And so it, it was out there. I mean, that was a long time ago. That was back when they were initially filming. Yeah. And so then it's just kind of been a waiting game. Like, OK, what's happening? What you know, when is this going to pop up? Yeah. And then it, and then it popped up. It yes. appeared. <laughs> yeah. And in the, in the U.S., it all appeared at once when it dropped in one day. I mean, we knew it was coming, but still dropping a whole show like this in one day on Peacock is that's just crazy. Uh, they they should let it stretch out. But that's a thought for the end here. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I, I, a show of this nature, I think, works better in installments. Um, mm -hmm. It's a shame that you really have to work hard to avoid spoilers when a whole series drops like this. When it did appear then, what were your thoughts? What did you think of the idea of the show? Oh, I love the idea of the show. I mean, it's it's basically, you know, a big game of Mafia. And uh, <laughs> I, I also play Mafia. I started playing more recently uh, with, again, uh, people from uh, RHAP. But... I, I enjoy that game. I enjoy that type of game. And that's, you know, basically what this was with these strategic reality TV players, um, many of whom I have uh, known about or known for years, followed on social media, met some of them. And so, yeah, it was very exciting. Uh, I'm lucky enough that I am retired. And so I could sit down and spend 
all day watching uh, the traders. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I didn't have to worry about getting spoiled. But yeah, that was if I hadn't been, I would have been totally off of social media until I could till I could blast through it all. Yeah, I, it was a struggle for me to <laughs> because everybody knew I, I liked it so much because I'd watched mm -hmm. the UK one. So I think people desperately wanted to tell me things about it, assuming I had seen it all. And I hadn't. It, <laughs> it took me you know, a week or two to get through it all. David, if you were in the traitors, do you think you would rather be a faithful or a traitor? Oh, I'd much rather be a traitor. I, I don't know that I would be good at it, but like <laughs> it, it, it's like I said, in a game of mafia, everybody's waiting and almost everybody would rather uh if you're in person get the card if you're doing a zoom mafia get the get the you know private message that oh you're you're in the mafia because you have a role and you're not going to be falsely accused when, yeah. when there's nothing you can do to defend yourself um having seen this particular season i'd even more rather be a traitor uh which <laughs> again is you know something we could go over more at the end but i i do think the game is skewed towards the traders. Now that leads on to my next question. This is something I ask all the guests on the trader. David, what is your biggest betrayal? <laughs> this could be the biggest, best, worst, or funniest lie that you ever told. <laughs> well, I was thinking about that. And, you know, I generally try not to lie to people. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I did as a kid. I'm, I'm sure I probably have as an adult, too. I mean, you know, everybody has the little white lies. But I, I think that, uh, you know, back in my high school days, I took a lot of sick days from school when I wasn't sick uh, okay. to the point that, like, you're allowed 10 or 12. And I used like that number <laughs> and. You know, eventually my parents started catching on. So I had to come up. I couldn't just say, oh, I don't feel good. So, you know, back then, the thermometers we had were not the digital. And so you could manipulate them a little bit. And so I would run it under hot water when they weren't looking and say, <laughs> oh, look, I have a fever, you know, and you had to make sure not to get it too high. So you had to shake it down sometimes. But which is probably a foreign concept to many of the younger listeners like shake it down what's that even mean but yeah so i would say uh you know lying to my parents about being sick just so i could stay at home and watch tv is uh you know probably the biggest one yeah i reckon that's probably a betrayal a lot of people will relate to yeah yeah now i will say that in my job uh like i said i am retired i've been retired about eight months i was strategic uh, not to the point of lying. You know, I knew knew, for example, my boss was the type of person that she often needed someone to be mad at. I didn't okay. want it to be me. So if it looked like that was going to be the case, uh, maybe I would strategically <laughs> steer the conversation somewhere else and nudge her in a different direction. You know, kind of similar to what you should do on the traders. Like, yes. oh, it looks like they're talking about me. I should I should you know, make them talk about someone else. Yes. Well, we're, we're actually going to put our own traitor skills to the test now. So before we get into episode 10, the finale of season one of The Traitors, we are going to play our own game. We are playing The Trader Traitor. Our goal throughout the episode from here on in is to tell one lie to one another. The lie has to be a fabrication or a made-up fact. It can't be a fake opinion, like saying you think the finale was terrible when actually you <laughs> thought the finale was epic. 
At the end of the episode, we each have to put our traitor hunting skills to the test and decide what we thought the other person's lie was. Does this sound good? Sure. Let's go for it. Episode 10, let's dive in. So we ended episode nine on this incredible cliffhanger at the round table. We're essentially waiting to find out who Andy is going to vote for. If it's Christian, we can be pretty sure he's going. If if Siri also goes ahead with that and votes for him, which she's quite likely to do. <laughs> and the, the episode begins not even with just a recap, but it literally just replays like the last five minutes of episode nine. So we show, we see all the votes happening again, one by one. I've noticed here, I mean, you must have noticed this too. There's a bit of kind of trickery or manipulation at play. They never, they don't always start the voting with the same person. Mm-hmm. Alan or, well, not really Alan, the producers, <laughs> the game makers, they obviously decide who to start the voting with so that it is revealed in such a way that it leads to an exciting, you know, conundrum between players or whatever. So they mm-hmm. must, they must be able to see what everybody has written down and then they can figure out who would be the most exciting person to begin and end with. So I guess that's what happens here. Mm -hmm. The votes come in, Kate votes for Christian, Ari votes for Christian, Christian votes for Kate, Quentin votes for Kate, we're waiting for Andy, and Andy goes for Christian, and Sri then also, she does it too. Mm -hmm. She votes for Christian, she turns on her own. Christian seems blindsided by this he seems pretty shocked now i spoke to christian on last week's episode of the trader he says he wasn't really as shocked as it seems he he kind of knew his time was up um he stands up he reveals the truth the other the others are elated they, they're so excited that they finally <laughs> caught another traitor because they've only had cody so far mm-hmm. and that seems like so long ago now and in christian's interview you know, he's de- he seems devastated. He feels awful for all the lies that he's told. He says, you know, it hurts that he was betrayed, but he understands the tactics. You know, what, what did you feel at this point? Were you, are you happy that Christian's out or are you gutted that he almost made it to the end? I, I was happy. I mean, Christian, and I, I hate to, you know, speak ill of, you know, the guest just prior to me, but... <laughs> I mean, he overplayed so much from the beginning and I in watching it, I thought they were going to nail him in the first couple episodes, but somehow things got shifted and he just got forgotten about for a while until he reminded them by, you know, coming up with that terrible thing about the uh, recruiting you know, like, why even bring that up? I just and I'm I'm sure he probably talked about it. Uh, but whatever the reason was, it was a bad one. Uh, and it, so it just drew the attention to him in a way that you shouldn't do. And so, yeah, it was it was time for him to go. Um, I thought it was Quentin. Uh, funny that Quentin continued his trend of voting the wrong way as often as humanly possible. <laughs> Yeah, he has a, uh, uh, a bad habit of that. Yeah, um, and uh, but yeah, I, it, it was it was definitely time for for Christian to leave. Yeah, Christian said in our interview that 
he actually said even more than was shown on the episode. It wasn't just that he revealed or he pretended that he'd been recruited. He actually then said something else that was really foolish. He said he revealed something that only a traitor would know. He talked about a rule that traitors have to abide by. And as soon as he said it, he realized that was it over. He'd complete and he tried to backtrack. <laughs> so they actually cut more of it out of what we saw on the show. But it, yeah, he he told me that he said even more. It was even worse. And he, he knew that it uh, you know, his his number was up. After the round table, then we start to see some discussions amongst our finalists. Kate points out how intelligent, how charismatic Quentin is. And she even calls him the president of the traitors. She she has these just like really firm suspicions about. I mean, they all do. Yeah. But she has these very firm suspicions about people. Usually, she's completely wrong. I, I don't know if Quentin does himself any favors because he he goes out of his way. They're all sitting outside. They're having a drink. He goes out of his way to repeat that he is not a traitor. And I kind of think just don't speak at this point just don't yeah. say anything that's going to make yourself look suspicious alan comes to greet them outside he tells them there's no murder tonight and he tells them that tomorrow you will have the mission to end all missions at which point kate just says murder me because you know we know she's she's not really a fan of these missions yeah and i i have to tell you i was not a fan of Kate for most of the show. <laughs> I mean, for so much of it, she was just being nasty for no reason. And then, you know, during that time frame of several episodes uh, where she wanted to get voted out and yeah. she was just throwing away money. And it, I, I saw it as like ruining things for the others. Um, now, in this stage of the game, I was more okay with her. She kind of got past that little tantrum. Um, but uh, honestly, I'd be just fine never seeing her again. Um, <laughs> you know, now I, I don't watch Below Deck, but I have two daughters and they both watch Below Deck. Okay. And one of them hated her on Below Deck. The other loved her on Below Deck. And the one who loved her also watched The Traders and loved her here, too. Yeah. Uh, but what's funny is uh, that same daughter also didn't like Rachel. So seeing Kate take on Rachel made it even better for her. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I didn't agree. I tend to favor Rachel and I was not real thrilled with Kate. But like I said, by this point, she at least wasn't getting on my nerves all the time. Yeah, I think your your anecdote sums up how polarizing Kate is yes. for viewers. Absolutely. On one hand, really entertaining TV. On the other hand, must be infuriating to be yeah. around. <laughs> Alan explains to the finalists that there's going to be this fire of truth. At this point, it seems like a sort of quite vague explanation. He doesn't really mm -hmm. give them all the details, or at least we don't hear all the details yet. He says that the game will only end when they decide there are no more traitors. And we, we don't really get the mechanisms of how that's going to work just yet, unless you had seen the UK traitors in which the final operated in essentially the exact same way. Yeah, uh, to, the, the confusing thing to me and to many other people from what I saw was it seemed like they should know that there were at least three traitors. And they had only knocked out two. So with Alan going on about how, oh, there might not be any left, I was like, 
what? And then in later interviews, I heard that he or the game rules were that there could be between two and five. So that's why he was going on about that. But they didn't explain that to the viewers at any point that I recall. Yeah, this is a huge area of contention amongst so many people I've spoken to. Um, and <laughs> in my interview with Amanda in episode eight, we talked about this. Um, David, have you heard of this thing called the Mandela effect? Yes. I spoke to Amanda about that. She says that the she's in a group chat with all the non-reality veterans. <laughs> and, they, and they've been talking about this. Some of them are sure that Alan told them there were between three and five traitors. Some of them think he never said any such thing. I don't remember that being shown on TV. No. Uh, and no one seems to other guests have had in the podcast are sure that they heard Alan say there were four traitors. Everyone seems <laughs> to remember this completely differently. I I actually have no answer to this. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, but certainly on the show, on what we see as a viewer, there's no time when Alan mentions a specific number. But it does seem odd that they've only found two traitors and that they might and that they would believe there only were two traitors. It, mm -hmm. it seems like too few. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, it seems that way to me too. Yeah. The traitors have their final meeting. So Sari and Ari get together. They you know, they tell one another they completely trust each other. Mm -hmm. No matter what they say in front of the others, they're going to play as a team until the end. And they decide that their aim is to banish Quentin at the final round table. I don't really understand this tactic. I still don't understand this tactic <laughs> because he, if they vote him out, all he'll do is reveal that he's a faithful. That I don't know what the benefit of that is. That will just make the others surely think that there's still a traitor they haven't caught yet. I mean, do, what did you think? Why, why did you think they're going for Quentin? That's a good question. I'm not sure. And I, I think that Sari was straight up lying to Ari here. I mean, okay. these are the types of conversations you have to have on Survivor all day, every day. Yes, I am 100% with you. If I say my word is good, it's good. And, and then I get rid of you. And uh, uh, so I don't think Sari had any intention of ever getting rid of Quentin. Why would you want to get rid of the game's most wrong man? <laughs> uh, you know, and so I don't know why she wouldn't just say, let's get rid of Kate, unless she knew that Ari was dead set on keeping Kate for some reason. Yeah, That's the only thing I can think of. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like there were many things that we didn't see there, uh, some of which related to uh, Sari and Quentin and Andy. I'll have some thoughts on later. Um, but I suspect Ari just had a better relationship with Kate. Yeah. My only thought when I watched it for the first time, I wondered if maybe at the final banishment, when they voted someone out, that person wouldn't reveal their status. Maybe the final mm. person they voted out would just walk out and leave and not tell them. That was the only scenario I could imagine where it made sense to get rid of Quentin. But otherwise, yeah. I'm, I'm still confused about this tactic. Yeah, yeah. The next day at breakfast, and we have the morning discussions. Of course, no one is murdered, but I still <laughs> feel like there's a very uncomfortable atmosphere. You know, it's their last day. We're building right up to the end. They know there is a banishment coming. And and Ari and Sari, I suppose, still have to sustain the act. They have another day of lying ahead of them. Mm -hmm. 
Kate brings up Quentin. She notices that, or she thinks she notices that he didn't have a strong reaction when Christian was revealed as a traitor. So she thinks maybe that likes, makes him look a bit suspicious. But this then just makes Andy think that tra- the, tra- the traitor is Kate because yeah. she's saying these things. It still seems to just be going round and round in circles. Andy tells Sari that she is the only person they have 100% faith in, which Mm -hmm. is so uncomfortable for us as viewers, (laughs) these moments. Yeah, I mean, they've been saying that, uh, both Andy and Quentin have been saying that for episodes now. Uh, You know, I did a a video on the two of them talking to each other about, well, the only one I'm sure about, you know, is Sari and I'll, I would be devastated if it's her, but it's not her. And it's just like, yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's so difficult to watch. It's difficult to see it as an outsider, why they feel they can trust someone wholeheartedly when, you know, the whole point of the game is that there are people who are very good at lying and, you know, someone has made it all the way to the end. They, they, I mean, obviously, it's just testament to Sari. She obviously is a good actress. She mm-hmm. is good at making people believe that she's on their side. And, you know, later on, you're probably going to tell us a lot more about Sari from yeah. Survivor, which, <laughs> which some viewers might not have a background of. So we move on to the mission for the final episode. Now, there's something quite funny in this mission as a British viewer David, I'm going to ask you, how do you pronounce the word that is spelled B-U-O-Y? Uh, buoy. Okay. <laughs> As a British person, we don't pronounce it like this. It probably should be pronounced like that. We yeah. pr- we pronounce it boy. Like, as, ah. as in the, the exact same as the word B-O-Y, like girl and boy. So every time I don't know why I don't know where this difference comes from. <laughs> but every time one of the one of the players says the word buoy, I was confused, thinking, "What are they talking about? Oh, they're talking about a boy." All the everyone in the UK must be thinking the same thing as me. Like, what is this word that they're saying? Well, so, you know, I mean, you know, in in British English, you guys uh, stick use in all your words that are true. silent. So that this could just be another uh, situation there. And I've seen the spelling of some of the cities in, <laughs> you know, in the UK. And if I hadn't heard them, I mean, I, I played games like British rails for many years and we absolutely massacred the names of the various cities there until <laughs> I heard them and went, wow, how do you get there for, you know, but yeah. So yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, buoy to boy is not that big a leap. Yeah. We do like silent news and silent <laughs> entire groups of letters. Yeah. That, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, Alan tells them that if they win today's mission, they'll win the entire $250,000 I find this quite annoying. Like, yes. Because, yes. Like, what, what was the point of not not what was the point in all the other missions? Because I guess if they fail this one, they'll still have money to fall back on. But it it just it just annoyed me. Why why yes. have all those other missions where they're building up a prize fund just to get to the last one and have the chance to win it all anyway? Yeah, I mean, it makes the challenges even less important than they already were. I mean, there's already been a lot of discussion um, online about 
why are the challenges even there? It's not like the mole where, you know, the traders want money in the pot also. So they're not trying to stop the missions from working. So you can't tell anything from it. You can theoretically vote out the weaker people, you know, to say, I don't care if they're a trader or not. They're hurting our ability to get money. Yeah. Um, Or you can, you know, see if someone's being annoying. But other than that, it's yeah, the challenges. Yeah, I would say that's one part of the show. If they're going to tweak anything going forward, that they should tweak is do something about the challenges, because especially making it at the end, you know, where Alan was like, oh, it's going to be very, very difficult. No, no, it really wasn't. Yeah, (laughs) I, I totally agree with that. I've spoken about this on previous episodes. The only other benefit of the missions i guess is a sort of psychological benefit of making everyone come together and unite as a team and it kind of builds friendships mm-hmm. and then that then makes the round table worse because they then have to go from you know competing as a team and working together and being really good friends right. to, to backstabbing one another but i don't know if they need these like wild missions to achieve that <laughs> yeah. yeah and especially where they break them up into two teams and it seems like someone's going to win but they're not they both win or it doesn't matter i mean maybe that's one way to do it is you put money into your pot you know like if if you end up winning then you get what's in your portion of the pot that would i mean the math on that would be horrendous so i'm sure they're never (laughs) going to do that i think a lot of it is Reality TV production believes there has to be a certain amount of challenges to keep viewers attention. Yeah. You know, that's why in the U.S., Big Brother, there's a challenge almost every night of some sort. And for many years, they made up really dumb ideas for challenges just to have something there. But, you know, that's not what the game is about. And that's not what this game is about either. Yeah, I agree with that. So Alan explains the mission. He explains that someone is going to have to volunteer for something. Kate and Ari volunteer. And then he explains that they're going to be jumping out of a helicopter rather pointlessly. Um, Kate has another one of her great lines in her interview. She says, missions are getting up, going out and doing things. Not my vibe. Yeah. Kate, not my vibe either. Uh, <laughs> at, at this point, I sort of thought, thank God Andy didn't volunteer because Andy is quite emotional when it comes to tasks. So that, that there would have been a lot of tears if that had been the case. I, I'm quite impressed with Kate, though. You know, at least she goes for it. after She, she doesn't back out and say, no, I'm not doing this. So, you know, yeah. not too bad. Yeah, I mean, you know, they made a big deal of jumping off the helicopter into the lock. It didn't look any higher than the high dive at my local pool when I was a kid. <laughs> Probably not. You know, I mean, Kate said, well, I've I've uh, jumped off a yacht. And Alan's like, oh, totally different. No, I don't think the yacht was that much lower than this helicopter was. Not so different. No. After they've jumped from the helicopter, they have to find numbers on the boys or buoys, however you want to pronounce it, <laughs> and then hold them up for the others on shore to look at through binoculars. It's it's a little bit silly. Mm-hmm. Um, whilst Siri, Andy and Quentin are in the boat, Alan then tells Kate and Ari that actually the biggest amount of money isn't on the map and they have to kind of do this secret mm-hmm. side mission they have to open a locked box which has a second map inside it's all it's all kind of complicated but and, at the same time a bit 
daft, I think. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I couldn't believe Kate and Ari had trouble with that. I mean, Alan had told them the name of the lock. And even yes. if they didn't remember that, okay, what do you raise to celebrate? A glass. I mean, what <laughs> else would you raise to celebrate? I mean, it was so easy. And the two of them are just, I, I don't know how long it took. The show made it seem like it took a really long time. Maybe it was only 30 seconds. But the minute they showed that clue, it was like, yeah, it's glass. Yeah, pretty obvious. Uh, the last lot of money is $43,000 and it's hidden at this pink house, which is now kind of become like Instagram famous. Lots of people <laughs> head in there to take their pictures at the pink house. It doesn't really have a name. It's just called the Lock, lock Last Pink House. But it's, on, it's on TripAdvisor. It has like over 200 ratings and it's it's not even a house you can go in. You know, it's, it, there's nothing. Is it's, it like a, is it a private like, house? It's just someone's private house, I think. There's it's ah. it's not like a museum or anything like that, but people love it. It's and it's it's so remote. It's in the middle of nowhere, but it looks nice in pictures, I guess. The person or the people who live there probably enjoyed it because it was so remote and nobody came there <laughs> yeah. until now. Yeah. <laughs> Quentin and Andy are searching for this money bag right at the end. And it's it's like um Kate and Annie with with the clue about glass like it's infuriating that they can't see this giant rope <laughs> literally in front of them tied around a tree like what were they looking for is is it just me or was it incredibly obvious it seemed obvious i mean you know i i know in the heat of the moment maybe you don't notice thing maybe it blends in a little bit there was a a season of uh, survivor last season where there was a clue in plain sight people just walked back and forth in front of it and, you know, it made for some very amusing camera shots of someone standing <laughs> right next to it going, I don't know where it could be. You know, sometimes you just don't see the obvious. I guess maybe. Yeah, maybe in the heat of the moment. I, yeah. I'm being too harsh. I'm being too critical. <laughs> yeah. Nah. <laughs> in the boat on the way back, Suri, Andy and Quentin, again, they, they promise one another that they're, they're not traitors. They're not going to turn on each other. And of course... Suri has now got this conflict. She promised Ari she was going to vote for Quentin, mm -hmm. but now she's making this promise to Quentin and she can't look bad in front of Andy if she votes for him. So she, she it, that's what it all comes down to. And we have some discussions until the round table and the main focus seems to be on Suri and what she's going to do. She either has to side with the faithfuls and vote for Kate or Ari, I guess, to look good, or she's mm -hmm. going to stick with her fellow traitor and vote out Quentin, but then that's going to raise suspicions from Andy. It, it reminds me of uh, Christian's banishment because it feels like it all rests on one person's decision. Mm -hmm. What did you What did you think about? I mean, what do you What did you think about Siri here? Yeah, I mean, I I think she did the right thing. And again, you know, some of this I was uh, planning to talk about later, but there have been interviews that have come out that Suri planned this for a while now. She had been, you know, gathering uh, uh, Quentin and Andy, and she obviously wanted to go to the end with those two. And yeah. so whatever she may have told Ari, it didn't matter. You know, she knew she couldn't. I'm sure knew she couldn't trust Kate at the end. So why would you take her there? And if she had two people 
who so firmly believed that she was a faithful along with them. Why would you ever want to get rid of those two? Yeah. You want to keep them to the end and then pull the rug out from under them. Yeah. And she's almost fooling the audience as well. She's given us the impression that she's going she's that she's truly conflicted, but maybe mm-hmm. she wasn't so conflicted at all. <laughs> I mean, part of it is, you know, the reality TV tricks of the producer asks you a question like, well, if you were going to do it this way, what would your thought process be? And then, you know, they answer. And, uh, you know, part of it is I'm sure she was conflicted from an emotional standpoint. It's not easy, but she was uh, doing what she had to do. Yes. And doing it very well in the end. So we move on to the round table. Ari begins and he gives a speech that implies he's going to frame Quentin because he, he pretends that maybe Quentin was keeping him close and directing him through the game. Quentin then picks out Kate was a traitor he's still pretty sure it's her (laughs) kate suggests the only person she has doubt over is quentin kate is also completely wrong (laughs) and sari then says you know she feels like they're a family she states again that she is a faithful and again you know it it all rests on her Mm -hmm. we can be we're pre- we can be pretty sure that there's going to be two votes for kate and two votes for quentin quentin and andy are probably going to vote for kate Ari and Kate are probably going to vote for Quentin. So again, Sari is, she is essentially the mm-hmm. decider. Also at this point, I just know, isn't it amazing that neither one of the actual traitors is under suspicion? Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and it seems like they never have been. I mean, I'm sure their names have come up in discussions, but they, I mean, Sari's certainly never had a vote. And I don't know if Ari has had a vote if, and if he has, it's been one or two here and there. Yeah. But they've they've both I mean, which makes sense because Ari wasn't a traitor the whole time. Right. He's, he's right. just a recent traitor. So the votes begin coming in. Like we suspect, Kate votes for Quentin, Andy votes for Kate, Ari votes for Quentin, Quentin votes for Kate. It's down to Sari, and she changes her tack from last episode and she finally decides to just vote for Kate. Cut to Ari being completely confused because he's wondering <laughs> what the hell happened to our plan. Kate gets voted out, reveals, of course, that she is a faithful after all. Mm-hmm. She says in her interview, she's actually not even mad. She says, well done to the traitors, well played. And we're at the finale now. We're, we're ready for the fire mm-hmm. of truth. Alan, at this point, explains it a little bit more. He explains that the players will decide whether or not to vote again I, I, I have lots of questions. I'll, 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 I, maybe you can enlighten me here. I wonder if, and as we see it in the episode, they basically leave the banishment and head straight outside to the fire. I wonder if, I get the impression they were not even allowed to speak to each other between mm. those two events. It seems like they, they leave imminently and there's, there's not been any chance for discussion. I, that might not be true, but that's the impression that I get. I, I feel like they must have had some discussion because, or it could just be horrible gameplay for Ari, uh, because he completely flips from the round table to the fire. Yeah. You know, he, he when we get to the, the fire decision, he says that he's making that decision because he trusts all of them. Well, just 
I mean, if they came straight there, then five minutes ago, you just tried to get Quentin out saying he was leading you. What makes you think that you trust him all of a sudden? Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it really was just straight out there and it's just the only thing he could think of to do and hope nobody would notice. Or maybe they did have some further discussions after that. I I feel like there were because I there was a clip of Quentin talking about how he played an honest game after they voted out Kate. Now, that clip could have been come at any point, obviously. Um, but I specifically remember that because I was thinking, yeah, you did play an honest game, which was kind of your problem was that you were not just that you were playing an honest game, but that you were assuming everybody else was playing an honest game. Yeah. So in true theatrical and dramatic fashion, yes. Alan clarifies that they will be deciding to vote again or finish the game via the magic of coloured flames. Yes. The one thing that did get me was when he was announcing it, he didn't indicate whether or not it would be anonymous. Then he had everybody put their their little uh, flame ball into a, a black velvet bag, which to me made it seem like, oh, they're all getting mixed up and he's just going to throw them all in there and it'll be anonymous. But then he took them out of the bag and said who each one was from. Yeah. And I was like, well, what was the point of all this uh, other than, you know, the, the showmanship and the drama of it? Uh, but I was a little surprised they didn't do it anonymously. Yeah, I thought the exact same thing. And this is not a spoiler for the UK version, but it ends with the same kind of ceremony. And I thought the exact same thing at the time. I thought, oh, it's it's anonymous. They're going to mm -hmm. put in their little pouch. Um, the presenter will just throw them in the fire. I, yeah, I didn't understand the point of them putting in a bag just for them to re be revealed <laughs> by name. It, it, it felt like I thought it might have been more exciting to not know who had put in the right. red ones and who right. put in the green ones. Yeah. So the pouches come out, the flames light up, Ari's lights green, Andy's votes green, uh, Andy's lights up green, Quentin's is green as well. And I, I was surprised at this. I thought he would put in red because of Ari voting for him. I thought that was going to make Quentin suspicious. Maybe, maybe that's just I, me. Again, the wrongest man in the game. So yeah, you know. yeah I guess, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, at that point, I just assumed, oh, oh, it's going to be all green. Oh, the two traitors are going to win. And mm -hmm. then Sari's flame is red. Like, I was absolutely shocked <laughs> at this point I, because it became obvious then, oh, she is about to turn on Ari. I really couldn't believe it. Um, she says that he didn't have to, you know, she says in her interview that mm -hmm. he didn't have to work as hard as she did. I mean, that's not his fault. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I still don't... I mean, this is something that lots of people are discussing. I don't know why she couldn't have just shared the prize with him. She didn't have to do this. I mean, it's $125,000. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, you know, and this is someone who, as we'll discuss, has been trying to win a lot of money for a long time. Yeah. And yeah. the other thing that I saw come up in interviews is Ari has a lot more money. He doesn't need, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure we could all use another $125,000, but, you know, to him, it wasn't the same thing as it was to her. And she had, again, this was something that they didn't necessarily play up as much. They gave us hints, but she had her staunch allies and she knew what the outcome would be. I think she fully knew 
what would happen? That she would, uh, you know, cause them to vote again. They would all turn on Ari because the three of them were absolutely certain that they were good. And she had apparently talked to Andy and Quentin about how much Ari didn't need the money. So they were, I think, all together. I don't think that Andy and Quentin would themselves have forced the vote. But once the vote was forced upon them, they would side with Sari and get rid of Ari. And I think that's why Ari just said, all right, I'm out. Uh, I'm a traitor. I'm out. You guys, you guys have fun uh, because he knew he was going to lose. Yeah. Yeah. I have two more questions at this point. Mm -hmm. Firstly, why don't Andy and Quentin think, I guess we talked about this. Why Mm -hmm. don't they think there's another traitor at this point? Because, you know, they just had a round table where they were forced to put a vote in they vote for someone who's not a traitor. Kate leaves. She's a faithful. Why doesn't it occur to Andy and Quentin that there probably still is another traitor if the producers made them do a roundtable? Like, surely if they were all fa- all five of them were faithfuls, they wouldn't have had a roundtable. Well, well, I mean, I think that they probably figured they were following, you know, whatever the script was. The fact that there wasn't a murder could have been... Uh, something that they were like, oh, there wasn't a murder last okay. night. Maybe that's because there's none of the traitors left. Uh, so, like, when you get to this stage in a game of mafia, if they're, if you're playing a game of mafia and there are only two teams, the mafia and the civilians, uh, then the game's over. But sometimes there are multiple teams, and some of those teams are not don't have a kill each night. So you can go a night and there's no kill. And you're like, okay, does that mean that there's no mafia left? Does it mean that the special character uh, known as the doctor did their job and saved someone? Does it mean, you know, so there are all these different options with the traders. It, you know, they could have they could have made the conclusion that, oh, the reason that they're telling us there's no kill tonight is because there's nobody, no traders left. Um, I think that's naive on their part. And mm-hmm. I think that they were just. They were just so taken in by Sari. Yeah, yeah. My second big question, and you probably will have no answer for this, but (laughs) you might have some good suggestions that I can't think of. If they had voted again, if Ari hadn't removed himself from the game and they had gone to another vote, what would happen if it was a 50-50 vote? Would they... Get rid of them both. You know, what if it was two for Quentin, two for Ari? I mean, I've been wondering that all season because there were a number of different times where it was like it hit. I mean, even the vote we were talking about, um, you know, to start off uh, the podcast, the Christian vote. Yeah. You know, they showed Andy's vote. And if Sri had not voted Christian, it would have been a tie. So it was like, well, what what do you do? They never explain it. And I think they never explain it because it didn't happen. Now, maybe they explained it to the players and the players knew, well, if there's a tie, you're just going to have to revote until there isn't a tie. Uh, but like on Survivor, they never explained what would happen if there was a tie in the final jury vote until it actually happened. Yeah. They had a plan for it, but they didn't tell the viewers what it was. And so it's possible that, you know, they did the same thing here that they're like, no, we're just not going to tell viewers what it is because it's not if it doesn't happen, it doesn't matter why confuse the issue. Yeah. 
Something like this kind of happens in the Australian traitors. Again, no spoilers, I won't mention names. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly the same thing, but at one of the round tables, there is a tie between two players, but it's not because everybody voted for one of those two. There were a whole bunch of different names mm-hmm. that came up, but two of the names had the same amount of votes each. And at that point, they made everybody vote again, but now everybody had to only vote for one of those two people. So that's how that worked. But yeah, I still don't know what if everybody in the group votes mm-hmm. for only one of two people. Maybe at a banishment, they would just get rid of both of them. But at the final, at the, at the fire yeah. of truth, I don't know if they would do that or how that would work. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, in, in Survivor, it's similar. If multiple people get, well, really, any time that uh, two people are tied for first, they make them revote. You can only choose uh, those two people. But the backup is if you don't, then, you know, you'll be given one opportunity to collectively discuss it as a group and come to a unanimous decision. If you don't, we will draw rocks. Okay. And uh, my podcast partner, my main podcast partner, uh, is a Survivor contestant, Jessica Lewis, who got knocked out by drawing the wrong rock. Okay. Uh, so it does happen. Okay. Maybe, maybe then they would have tried some right. you know, lock of the draw type thing right. here. I'm not sure. Ari at this point kind of realizes the game's up and he just removes himself from it. He tells the others he's a traitor. They're all really emotional at this point because they they think they've won, but mm-hmm. the audience the audience know yeah. that it's worse to come. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, head eyebrow and eyelid drooping and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Alan tells them it's time to vote again. Andy votes green. Quentin votes green. Suri votes green. It's for for me. It was just excruciating at this oh, point. Yeah. I just thought this is awful. Andy and Quentin are so ex- they're buzzing. They think they've won. They each have to reveal their status, <laughs> which they think at this point is just a bit of fun at the end to say that they're faithful. Mm-hmm. And it comes to Suri, and she says. I am a faithful at heart, but I am a traitor <laughs> in this game. Andy is just devastated. It's 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 hard yes. to watch. I watched it again today, and Andy just looks absolutely, you know, so upset about it. It's oh, it's it's really tough. I mean, what what? How did you feel watching it? Uh, yeah, I mean, devastated is the word I have in my notes too. You know, I mean, Quentin did his usual jaw dropped open. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
because uh, he was stunned. But Andy was, uh, yeah, Andy's life at that point, you could tell Andy was already thinking, I'm going to get one third of two hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollars. And this is going to be so helpful to me and my family. And then, like I said earlier, the rug was just pulled out from under them. You know, the thing is, the thing that uh, this must have been another heat of the moment thing again, because after Ari left and the three of them were kind of hugging each other and getting ready for the next round of the fire, Cherie said, I love you, Andy. Just know that. Okay. And when I saw that, I was like, Cherie, what are you doing? That's a tip off. And other people, you know, contacted me on Twitter and were like, how did Andy not notice that? But I just feel like Andy was so focused on the three of them splitting the money that they didn't really hear what Sari said or what it implied. You know, they, they weren't thinking about that. Like, why would you ever say to someone, just know that I love you uh, unless you're about to do something to them? Yeah. I'm in a couple of Facebook traitor groups and there's <laughs> been a lot of discussion about this as well. A lot of people don't understand why Andy and Quentin didn't figure out that Sri was up to something, not necessarily because of that comment, but just because she threw the red flame in the fire. They, a lot of people think that was, no pun intended, a red flag. Yeah. And that, that should have suggested that there was something really odd about Sri doing that. Like, why did she suddenly doubt Ari when no one else did so you know a lot of people have been saying Andy and Quentin what idiots how could they not have realised but like you say they really believed they were the best friends you know their 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 friendship overruled any kind of doubt or logic I guess at this point yeah and then Ari said in an interview that he thought Cerie set things up to spend time with Quentin and Andy in the final task so she could fully plan out her strategy and that it you know we just saw uh, Kate and Ari volunteer, but there was apparently like a swimming test or something else that went on before that. And so, um, you know, Ari said, oh, Sari set that all up. And I'm sure she did. But that also ignores everything that had happened leading up to that point, because it wasn't like Sari just suddenly got them on her side. She'd been working with them for a long time. Um as I discussed earlier, you know, in another interview with her that I saw, and it was made pretty clear during the episode that they had talked about trusting each other completely. Um, you know, that we already talked about how they said there's no way Suri is a traitor. Uh, Suri said at one point, I got Quentin and Andy in my pocket. Um, Quentin, we already knew, didn't trust Ari. And again, that whole money aspect where Sari had planted that idea with them about him not needing the money. So why not force another vote? He doesn't, you know, at that point, it's, you know, a quarter of 250,000. Ah, he doesn't need that. That's peanuts to him. So why not get him out? I, I just don't think they, they saw any of these things as traitorous moves, but rather as her looking out for them yeah. when in fact she was looking out for herself. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very, very clever of her, mm -hmm. the whole thing. Whether or not you think it's ethical is another matter, but it's it's impressive how how smart she is about the whole thing. Yeah, and the ethical question is certainly something that has come up. On a couple of my videos, someone has commented, like, this is so terrible, I hate her. And, you know, it's like, no, it's good gameplay. So you went over you know some of my history with reality TV. And it started... 
you know, back at the beginning of Survivor, first season of Survivor. And I wrote uh, what are uh, what I call the rules of Survivor. Uh, which you can see as a poster behind me, but you know, since mm-hmm. this is an audio post or audio podcast, other people can't. And in those rules, it's things that the players need to do. And the first rule is scheme and plot. Okay, same thing applies here. Uh, the next one is don't scheme and plot too much, as Cody <laughs> and Christian found out. Same thing applies here, and then it goes on from there. And so. You know, even though those are meant for Survivor and there's a very similar version for Big Brother, over the years, I have applied it to many other shows. And I I think a lot of it applies here as well. And Sri played four times on Survivor. Now, I know you had told me you haven't seen Survivor, but or and you you said that on an earlier podcast, too. But I've seen her play all those times, starting, as she said, in 2005. Uh, I've interviewed her. Back when I was running the websites, I did interviews. I've interviewed her after those seasons uh, a number of times. I've met her in person once. We, you know, we've talked about Survivor. She is widely thought of as one of the top couple of players to never, one of the best to never win. Um, and often she didn't win because of situations that were outside of her control. So, for example, uh, one season was supposed to end with a final three. And she was going to the end with two people who most thought she could beat. There's some debate, but most thought she could beat them both. Well, due to circumstances beyond their control, it ended up being a final two and the other two knocked her out. So if it had been a final three, maybe she would have won. Uh, In another season, she got to a point where there were so many what are called immunity idols, advantages that protected people, kind of like shields. Uh, that protected people, she was the only one that didn't have protection. There was no one else who could be voted for. And so she got knocked out that way. And so these were, you know, some of the ways that that some of the things that happened to her to prevent her from winning. And she has an amazing strategic mind. She has a, a truly great social game, as we saw here. I I think all of that made her more focused on getting it this time. And we heard her discuss several times. She wanted to provide for her family. And so, yeah, for many people screwing over Andy and Quentin at the end, from the outside, it seemed horrible. It just seemed horrible. And for other people, they wouldn't have been able to do it. They would, you know, it's very difficult. I think that's why Cody was having difficulties, even though he's played Big Brother a couple of times. But she has learned you have to put your feelings aside, which is another one of my uh, rules for playing. Mm -hmm. And she had to do it for herself and her family. You know, you're out there to play a game. If we were playing a game of Mafia, you wouldn't think twice about doing it. If you're playing a game of Monopoly, you wouldn't think twice about doing it. Yeah, there's a much bigger prize here, but she was there to win the prize for herself. And the fact that she made friends with other people doesn't change what her end goal was. And in the end, it's a game. Yeah. If this was fiction, it would be such a brilliant character arc like her backstory (laughs) would be it's like Mm -hmm. the hunger games or something (laughs) so sari at the end she's talking to andy and quentin and 
she tells them she was chosen as a traitor. She had no choice but to be the best traitor she could be. And you know that is, we we can forget that that she was chosen to be. She didn't volunteer to be a traitor. Yeah, she, she did of, volunteer to be a traitor. Actually, she wanted to be a traitor. She requested to be a traitor. Um, now I'm sure several of them did, but that was one reason uh, earlier that Stephanie trusted her so much was that Stephanie knew that Suri wanted to be a traitor. And Sari played it up to Stephanie like, oh, I can't believe they didn't choose me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she did volunteer. Uh, so, you know, okay. but yeah, she was still chosen. So that part's yeah. true. I was I was filled again by Sari then. <laughs> she tricked me. <laughs> she tricked me. Uh, it's it's an emotional ending. Uh, Andy tells Sari, you know, I, I don't hate you. Quentin says that Sari should get an Oscar for her performance. I agree. <laughs> Even Alan talks to her at the end. He says that she has the best poker face he's ever seen. <laughs> and we finish with Sari being, you know, really proud. She talks about her family. That's the reason that she did it. And season one of The Traitors US finishes with fireworks over the castle. <laughs> So, David, some overall thoughts on the episode. Are you more happy for Siri winning or more sad for the Faithfuls losing? Oh, definitely more happy for Siri winning. Um, <laughs> I mean, huge congratulations to her for doing what she needed to to win. Honestly, coming into this, that was the absolutely best outcome that I could ever have wanted. Uh, and Am I biased? Yes, absolutely. I love Sri. <laughs> I have loved her since the first moment that I saw her on Survivor. Um, but, you know, she showed why. She showed why she's such a good player. And so, yeah, I was very happy for the outcome. Now, do I feel bad for Andy and Quentin? Yeah. Uh, you know, Andy was, you know, a decent player. Quentin, I've already dubbed him, or others have probably dubbed him the, the wrongest man on the show. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the, the real question, I think, is, is it fair to have a show like this where you have half the cast being past reality TV celebrities and half first-timers? Because I do think it set up a situation that was very favorable for the previous players. Yeah. Um, they've been through it before. Some of them have been through it multiple times. Some of them have been through it in very strategic situations like these. Um, some of them knew each other, which could also help. I mean, one reason that uh, Rachel and Stephanie didn't or didn't go after Sari and believers, they had just been on a TV show together, uh, you know, very recently before this was filmed uh that's also how they knew that stephanie was a terrible liar because uh, she had done such a poor job of it in that tv show and uh so those sorts of things helped uh and sari like i said used that to her advantage but i there's also the problem if you call it a problem in this case it wasn't you know for if you're if you're favoring sari it wasn't a problem but from game design standpoint the newbies were more likely to trust someone they'd seen on TV before. Now, I don't know for sure if Andy or Quentin knew Suri, if they were Survivor fans or whatever, but there are certainly 
new players who would be drawn to those people and see them as leaders. We we see this in every season of every show that has returning players. There's a season of Australian survivors going on right now that has a mix of returning players and new players. And it's the same or similar sort of thing that returning players tend to be the leaders and the new players tend to look to them. And that's not usually good for the new players. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, that's my thought on it being a mix. I don't know if you have thoughts yeah. on that aspect. Yeah, it is a big question that I've talked to other guests about and I see a lot of discussion online. My thought is I, I do also don't understand. I understand why they would want celebrity players just from a a business point of view. They they want viewing numbers. They need recognizable people mm-hmm. that will draw in viewers. I don't understand why not just have a hundred percent celebrity cast. I don't understand the half and half. And I spoke to Amanda about this a couple of episodes ago. We talked about the casting process. Um Christian actually told me in the last episode some people I've got in trouble for talking about casting too much. <laughs> um, so I, I didn't ask him much about that. But Amanda said she didn't even, and this was not her lie as part of her game. This was the truth <laughs> as far as I know. She said she didn't even, they didn't know there were going to be reality you know, veterans. Mm-hmm. They didn't know there were going to be celebrities until they arrived in Scotland and were on the train. And these people started walking towards them. And she said, Michael was freaking out because he recognized Suri and mm-hmm. Rachel. So he knew who they were. And right. but they but that they didn't know that this was going to be the setup of the show. So it does yeah, it feels there's an unfair advantage for certain people and it it does feel like a bit unfair. We talked about Ari maybe not needing the money. So mm-hmm. that's a whole other element, I guess, of Right. Some of some of these people probably being quite well off and not necessarily needing it as much as others. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know who else in that cast. I mean, I haven't really, you know, uh, dived into it. Uh, I don't know who else on that cast uh, didn't need the money like Ari. Uh, I didn't even know Ari didn't need the money until I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a I'm not a viewer of The Bachelor normally. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but. I mean, from a half and half perspective, if we're looking at the way reality TV is made, like you said, for promotional purposes, the fact that it was known that Sari and Rachel and Stephanie and those folks were on this show, it definitely made people like me want to watch it more. Would I have watched it anyway? Yeah. Once I knew what the, the what it was about, but it built it up. But this way, the producers got to pay appearance fees. Because I'm sure that all of the returning, you know, the the previous players, I'm sure they got some sort of appearance fee. Yeah. I, I don't know this for a fact. I'm just educated guess. But they only had to pay appearance fees for half the people. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, makes sense. So, you know, that it gets them the the media hit of having the returning players, but not having to pay everybody. But then, of course, they go and blow it by dropping everything you know, in one day, which I really think it would have been better as a build, you know, even as a, a Netflix type build four four two, yeah, or or something like that. It it would have been better. Get people talking, get more people on board. Now, here we are. I, I don't even know how long ago did, did the show come out? It's been uh, over a month. Uh, yeah. Um, 
I, I, well, in the UK, less than a month. Oh, okay. Uh, here, I would I would have to look it up. I feel like it's been over a month, and now they're talking about doing a um, a reunion because yeah, they yeah. saw it was popular enough to do a reunion. Well, you could have seen that leading up to it. If you know, I I just think it was a mistake on Peacock's part, uh, you know, or NBC, the owner of Peacock. Uh, but maybe they'll learn. Maybe they'll do it a little bit differently next time. And maybe that's just my view as a podcaster and frequent discusser of these things, whereas maybe they figure the general audience will just watch it when they watch it and they're not as worried about encountering spoilers and the like. Yeah. We we talked a little bit about this before recording, but actually there are, there are a couple of interesting points of comparison there with the UK version. First of all, for the UK season of The Traitors, it... It was shown on the BBC, but it did only drop three episodes at a time. They did mm-hmm. a sort of three, or three, three, two, or whatever it was. So I really liked that they they were they all came out on certain days and appeared mm-hmm. on BBC iPlayer. So that I loved that, and it did create for me more of a sense of anticipation and excitement and again right. it gave chance to people to catch up and then all be on the same page when it was announced. That the that the BBC were going to show the US version and just release it all at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was annoyed and disappointed. I thought, no, do it the way you did the UK one. Another interesting thing that we talked a little bit about. You you mentioned you knew some of the contestants from Survivor, and you were excited to see that. It's so interesting in the you know from from I live in the UK and. Probably most of the people I talk to in social media are in the UK. When it was announced that the US version would have half a cast of celebrities, people here were so annoyed by that. People here were like, <laughs> why do they have to have celebrities? This is the why are they doing that? Typical Americans, like, why do we have to have famous people? I'm not watching this. So I think our reaction was, oh, why can't it just be ordinary people? Um, you know, there were lots of comments like, I think they've been talking about doing a celebrity UK version as well. And so mm-hmm. many people online are saying, no, no, we don't want this. We don't want celebrities. <laughs> but um, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's a cultural difference. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I don't know, because, you know, I, I mentioned Australian Survivor and they keep having seasons where they bring people back. And there's some of the same yeah. thing. It's like. Oh my gosh! Can we just have a new se- a season of all new players? Does it always have to be some returning <laughs> players? I mean, clearly they do. You know, whatever market research they do, and so you know they, they must look into that. I, I don't think they're always right. I don't agree with the decisions that uh, U.S. Survivor production makes, and uh, in some cases. So um, yeah, it's. It, it's just all different, you know, but if, yeah, if you're in the UK and you have no idea who these people are, then they're not celebrities to you. I didn't know Kyle was one of the returning celebrities until, <laughs> you know, and I, like, I don't even remember what show he was on, something house or I I, I don't even remember. But. I think Kyle's been on various dating shows, okay. like not, not The Bachelor, but that kind of thing. Right. Um, and there were a couple people I forgot were even on the show. And uh, 
uh, even the celebrities. Um, oh, gosh, I'm blanking on his name. The swimmer. Um, oh, Ryan Lochte. Ryan. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I knew him, uh, obviously, from the Olympics and also from Celebrity Big Brother. But then once he got out of the traders, he was like such a, a nothing. He, you know, I mean, he was just one of the guys there. And I kind of forgot about him. Yeah. Uh, to the point that when Sari was uh, getting mad at Cody and being like, you're friends with Ryan from outside. I'm like, how would he know Ryan? Ryan's just some guy. I'm, oh, wait, no. Now I remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A final sort of broad question to finish, I guess. Mm -hmm. What what are your overall thoughts on The Traitors as a show? Is it a new favorite? Will you be watching season two? You know, now that you've seen it all, what did you think? Oh, yeah, I really enjoyed it, uh, not just because Suri won, although that certainly <laughs> helped. Um, I will definitely be, you know, watching for season two, hoping that uh, in the U.S. they drop it a little more slowly, that they see that there's this interest and they they want to build it. I do think it could be improved. Um, we we talked earlier about how in the challenges, there's no reason for anyone to do poorly in them. Yeah. And then. You know, if you've seen the if you've seen the first season, now you might be thinking, well, who cares if, how we do on it? We're just going to get it all at the end. So yeah. they need to fix that. And they also need to work in some way, I think, for the faithful to kind of balance the game, because all you have is the faithful looking at everyone else and trying to figure out, OK, who's a traitor? And the, the first votes were very similar to the first vote or two of a game of Mafia, where you're just guessing. You have nothing to go on. One person said one word that you didn't like the way they said it, and off you run. And so, like, even when they could have reacted to Christian overplaying, they didn't. And I, I don't know why. I don't understand why. He must have just been a nice enough guy that they went in a different direction. But... I feel like they need something similar to what they have in most games of mafia, which is like a detective type of role who can sniff out the traitors. And that would add, it would add complication to the TV, you know, explanations. I fully understand that, but it could lead to other situations like, okay, I'm a faithful, I'm the detective. I sniff out that you're a, a traitor, but who do I tell? Who do I feel comfortable enough to tell? that you're a traitor, knowing that the traitors can execute someone each night. Like, I can't tell too many people, but I still have to guide them towards getting rid of you because I know you're a traitor. Um, now, if I've guessed previously and I know that someone for sure is faithful, well, then I can talk to them. Unless, of course, they get recruited and then, you know, everything mm -hmm. goes haywire or it's even funnier if you recruit the detective. Um <laughs> You know, in in Mafia, there's uh, a doctor role I mentioned earlier who works much like a shield. They can pick one person each night to protect. And so it could be that the, the traders go up. They say, we're going to get rid of this person. And then next night, nobody's dead. And you're like, oh, my gosh, what happened? Well, the doctor must have guessed right. So you have these complicating factors that can be brought in. Help the faithful a little, because I really do think it is unbalanced towards the traders they have all of the information and the faithful have none and it's even more than in a game of mafia in a game of mafia the people in the mafia know who each other are and they pick the person that they want to kill overnight but they don't or they're not supposed to then plan and this is how we're going to stage the vote and this is what we're going to the traders could do all that they could plan out everything and 
so again, I think that does balance it a little heavily in favor of the traders. So that's another reason, you know, you had asked earlier, which would I want to be? I'd want to be a trader because I think it's easier for a trader to win the game. Yeah. Um, so those are, you know, some of my thoughts. Yeah. I I love the show. Obviously, I've created an entire podcast <laughs> just about the show. I definitely agree. It's, it's inevitable that something will change as the show, you know, it's in, in the States, it's been renewed for a second season mm -hmm. it's only a matter of time before that's announced in the uk i think but with any reality show or reality competition show there are format changes and developments as it evolves i think that's bound to happen in future seasons we talked about i think the challenge is they'll have to do something different they'll have to change there's something really simple they're going to have to change that a lot of people have talked about online yes. which is <laughs> the way that they entered at breakfast right because yeah, i knew, knew you were going to say that yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're going to have to figure out i just and i mean that's quite simple just a different way for everybody to arrive in the morning they're all going to have to walk in it and it want from different doors or something like that and and just look around and mm -hmm. figure out who's missing something like that i think i think the the armory doesn't work that well having the shield i think it only works if everybody knows who has the shield i think having it be a something that you can potentially keep a secret just doesn't work because it creates a loophole amongst the players you know the the group of three or four people who get mm -hmm. to go into the armory they do this in the in the US season and they did it in the UK one as well. The players themselves figure out it's actually just pretty smart to not tell anybody which one of them got the shield. Right. And I think because, for the producers, that's not good. So Yeah, I, it's like think, all of them got the shield. And that's yeah. you know, that's why if they had if they're going to keep it, or like I said, some role like the doctor, yeah, uh, it could apply to anyone. So don't yeah. just put well, don't just protect Ari. Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They'll just have to rename it the Ari, because yeah, then you just say, okay, well, it's one of the we won't, you know, we won't get rid of one of those players. We're not going to try to waste it. Um, but the other thing is, what's the consequence if they if they did pick one of those people? Oh, okay, they didn't go this night. They'll go next night instead. Eh. You know, but yeah, it's a lot easier for the traders to just say, okay, we'll pick someone else then. Yeah. Now, before we conduct our own banishments, David. <laughs> Can you tell us where can we find you online? And maybe you can tell us a little bit more about current projects and what we should check out. Well, uh, you can find me on the Why Blank Lost podcast uh, with, uh, again, former player Jessica Lewis. And that is on the reality TV Rehap Ups network. And that's R-H-A-P dash ups. It's part of Rob has a podcast. Uh, and uh, there we talk about each week. We talk about why each person lost Survivor. And uh, so we'll be starting our uh, preview shows for the new season of Survivor in just a couple weeks. Until then, and also during them, I'm all over social media. On Twitter, I'm David Bloomberg. On TikTok, on Instagram, and on my brand new YouTube channel, which I just started like a, a week ago, I am David Bloomberg TV. And so I, I post videos from a whole bunch of different things uh like i said for the shows i'm not podcasting about i'll do a mini why blank lost for australian survivor i'm doing that so it's like a minute and a half long uh for other shows i'll take clips and i'll uh do either 
hopefully insightful or funny or other clips about the shows. Yeah. And I've done some videos for the traders. Uh, They're a little bit further down now because I did them shortly after they came out. So you'll have to scroll back and look at everything, like everything, have fun. Um, And uh, so, yeah, that's like I said, I'm I'm all over the place uh, on social media there. Great. Now, throughout this podcast, we have been playing the trader traitor. Mm. David, I have told you a lie. Did you tell me a lie? Yes. How about you guess my lie and I'll guess <laughs> yours? And I'm doing that because I need more time because I actually have no idea what you lied about. <laughs> all right. I think your lie is related to the pink house and all these likes or reviews that it uh, supposedly got. Oh, Matt, you're, for the last episode, you're the first person who's caught me. <laughs> <laughs> you're absolutely right. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, it was, it was, have true it has become kind of instagram famous but i yeah i made up that it has like 200 <laughs> reviews on tripadvisor it actually has three reviews on tripadvisor <laughs> uh which i was quite surprised at so yeah how did how, what gave it away i i don't know i was just thinking about it and uh uh you know thinking what, what did he say what did he say what is it what lies has he done through the season and just <laughs> yeah it just seemed like that many reviews that quickly was was a lot uh yeah i, I picked a bad a bad lie <laughs> to me uh yeah i went too 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 big uh your lie i i think it was either something about survivor because i don't know very much about survivor <laughs> so you could have gotten away with that really easily or Earlier, you said something about what you you said something about a podcast that you do, or something else. Uh, but do you know what? I'm going to just have to give in. I have I have no idea. You've you've definitely fooled me. You're, you're <laughs> gonna you're gonna have to tell me what it was. All right. Well, it was neither of those. I told you I have two daughters. I have two sons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh... I figured keep it simple. Uh, you know, I knew if. I, I've mentioned my sons before, so I didn't know if you do that, but um, but I almost, you know, in, in preparing, I was like, oh, I could make it bigger. I could make it three daughters and this and that. But <laughs> no, uh, there had not been a uh, a uh, a daughter born into the Bloomberg family for uh, 60 some years since my uh, aunt uh, until finally my uh, brother uh, I had two boys. Uh, my next brother had two boys. My next brother had one boy. And then finally a girl at the very end. And we're like, are, are you sure that sounded right? <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I had, I have two sons. It's a small lie, but. Yeah. Uh, no, you, you got me. You got me. <laughs> no idea. I actually had to, uh, like I said, this is an audio podcast, but uh, I knew we would be on video. I was actually originally wearing uh, the sweatshirt I was originally wearing was my son's high school baseball uh, sweatshirt. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's old, but I was wearing it. And then I realized, oh, this will give away if he's paying enough attention, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, switch. I probably still wouldn't have even noticed. Yeah. <laughs> Well, David, thank you so much for being such a knowledgeable guest. It's been fantastic talking to you. Uh, this you. has definitely been the most detailed deep dive into an episode, <laughs> but but all the better for it. I'd definitely love to have you back for season two if you're up for it. Absolutely. I hope that you enjoy the reunion episode at the end mm -hmm. of the month. 
and I'll I'll hear your thoughts about it, no doubt. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Bye. Hello, listeners. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you are a reality competition TV fan, and surely you must be, you're listening to this, go check out David's podcast and socials. Now, this season of The Trader isn't over yet. I will be covering the reunion episode, which airs on February the 28th, and because that's just a bit too far away, I'll be recording a bonus episode for you very soon with fan favourite Traitors US contestant Michael Davidson. So look out for that on your podcast platform. And while you're there, maybe you could leave a super quick review and make sure you subscribe. It would be wonderful if you could follow the pod on Instagram at the Tradar Podcast, on Twitter at the Tradar Pod. Or get in touch with any questions, or, you know, if you just fancy a bit of a chat, by emailing thetradarpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay faithful. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.